A man's gift makes room for him and brings him before the great. Proverbs 18. Welcome to the Grace Ops podcast today. I'm excited to be here in the studio with my friend and guest, uh, Dr. David Robinson. We're, we're on this podcast, and the passion of this podcast is where we learn and discuss biblical masculinity that results in effective leadership to impact your spheres of influence. So we are here today to empower you and to motivate you and to equip you in a powerful way to understand. Specifically today, we want to kind of talk about how your gift makes room for you. And and boy, it's a really powerful thing because it's connected to your purpose. And we're going to get into that in a few moments. But Dr. David Robinson is with me. And he wrote uh, a lot of great books. But one of them that I've been digging into and I really can't put down is called The Abominable Snowman. And it's God's gift of apostolic leadership to the church. So it's a gift. And we want to talk about these gifts, uh, kind of expand them out a little bit today. But this book, David, is incredible. I mean, this is an incredible book. I'm blessed to have it in my life. And I'm glad you wrote it. And I'm actually glad to be your friend and get to know you. And it's awesome having you as a guest on this show. So tell us why you wrote the book and kind of give us a little promotion about what it is. Okay. Uh, Brian, it's always good to be with you and uh, share in the life of the next generation. Um, I know that my Social Security checks will keep coming uh, <laughs> if young men like you will All right. stay faithful. Um, I wrote the book. Uh, probably three or four years ago, as a result of not knowing really why the church has lost its ability to be really salt and light in the marketplace, what I call the front-line battle, where it happens every day. Ninety percent of God's people go to the front lines every day, and they serve uh, out there, and... um, I said, Lord, why are we not effective? And um, I have studied for years Ephesians 4, called the Ascension Gifts. When Christ went back to heaven, he says he gave gifts to mankind. doesn't say he gave gifts to saved people. It doesn't say he gave gifts to church people. It just says he gave gifts to mankind. And when God gave you life, he gave you a gift. And I believe that um, every person that God gave life to has one of those five gifts in Ephesians 4. Now, I was raised in a church. So you, uh, you believe every person has, has a at gift? At least one of the ascension gifts? Absolutely. Okay, I like that. And um, it may not be a capital A. I mean, you don't have to be a titled pastor pastor in a church to have a pastoral gift. Yeah, that's right. You can always see people who care about other people. Uh, they're concerned about them. Uh, they're always gathering people, looking at their need. They have a pastoral it's a, gift. It's a nurturing, it's a, caring, kind, uh, shepherding, and it can be anywhere. Like anywhere. Customer service reps. <laughs> you know, Absolutely. Like those types of... Uh, <laughs> they make the best customer service care, yeah. reps are people who have a pastoral yeah. or, gift. Or, or they help people emotionally feel uh, like they've been seen and heard. Right? Absolutely. Like, yeah. It's a valuable gift. It is very valuable. I agree. And, um, you know, I was challenged right away by, you know, those who 
uh, or the resident theologians, you know, they're everywhere. Um, I was raised in a very traditional uh, religious setting. My dad was a pastor, grandfather, both sides of my family. And so I went to Bible school, graduate school. I, I knew what I had been taught, that there's only a certain few people who have those gifts. It's called a five-fold gift ministry, and, the, and so only a few. And so as I was studying Ephesians, the Lord said, I didn't write Ephesians just to church leaders. I wrote Ephesians That's right. to the church at Ephesus. That's he good. said, read chapter 1, verse 1, to the faithful wow. saints at Ephesus. So everything that happens after chapter 1, verse 1, is for everyone who's in the church, yeah. the believers. So that when you get to Ephesians 4, verse 1, walk worthy in the vocation wherein you are called, that means everybody's called to something, Everybody has a ministry, and um, why would God not give a gift to everyone who has a call to ministry? Right. Because I'd been taught that there's only a certain few in Ephesians 4, 11 to 16 that get those gifts, and he gave some to be apostles, some prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists. Well, the Lord showed me one day, he said, I wrote the book of Ephesians to the whole church. In fact, Ephesians is what's called a cyclical book, which means it wasn't just to the church at Ephesus. It was to all the churches of Asia. It made its cycle. It made its way around to all the churches. He said, when you get to chapter 4, verses 11 to 16, picture the whole church at Ephesus. And he gave some of them this gift, some that gift some another gift. And uh, as I said earlier, you don't have to be a resident prophet. You don't have to be a member of the school of the prophets to have a prophetic gift. God has just simply given you a gift to be able to discern, to be able to see, and to be able to bring that to the body of Christ. And it worked that way with all of them. And that's why the Lord said every local fellowship has to have all five gifts in operation in the right order with mature people. Now, you can be intellectually mature. You can know that Bible from cover to cover. But if you're an emotional midget, then you're (laughs) going to use your gift to create a lot of problems. And so those that have an apostolic gifting and a prophetic gifting, they can get people in trouble really fast. But so can those who have a pastoral gifting. If they're not careful and if they're not serving under a strong, mature apostolic gift, they'll begin to tolerate sin far too long in the lives of people because that pastoral gift wants to protect wants to, you know, well, they'll get better. Let's not, you know, no, that prophet's going to step up and say, oh, no, uh uh-uh, they need, you know. And so it takes all five gifts, and that's why um, I said, Lord, why is the church not being effective in the marketplace on the front lines of battle? You don't have to be a, a Rhodes Scholar to see that the church in America is under vicious attack. It's losing uh, we, you know, we used to be celebrated 50 years ago when I was a kid. Uh, you couldn't run for dog catcher if you didn't, you know, go right. to a church somewhere, if you weren't a member of a church somewhere. Well, today, that's almost a negative. Yeah. And so we've reversed well, the roles here. Church pastors in this 
today's culture are looked at the same exact way as a used car salesman is looked at. Well, and many of them live up to that reputation, <laughs> sad to say. Um, oh, that's a good one. Okay. I mean, uh, it, yeah, I mean, maybe we deserve it, right? Well, I'm afraid so. Uh, you know, when, when you use manipulation instead of imp- inspiration, um, then uh, the gift is out of bounds. And so uh, the local assembly, the local church family, if they have any other gift other than the apostolic gift in a senior position, you're going to get the weaknesses of that gift the same as the strengths of that gift. So if you have a pastor in the senior position, the people are going to be well cared for, but they could be in false doctrine. They could be tolerating sin. They could, you know. Now, you, you point out in your book, which I, I would encourage everybody to get it. You can get it on Amazon, The Abominable Snowman. And it's, it's not just about the apostolic leadership gift. I love the foundation of how you, how you wrote this book because what we're really going after is the influence of the people of God, the church, in the marketplace where I don't know if you'd say 80% or more of life happens. I mean, that Jesus was very passionate about the marketplace. The marketplace is where we work, where we move. You know, on our last podcast, we talked about the three gates, you know, business, government, and education, uh, our marketplace. What were the three? Those are the three gates that make up the marketplace. Government. Uh, government controls everything through laws, regulations, uh, business people that God has gifted yeah, to create everything. wealth. They pay for everything, <laughs> right. and the educational the institutions determine the values, philosophy, worldview that both the business people and the government people use. So that's where the battle takes place. Yeah, and I like day. how you've built the—you're you're not creating something new, saying, hey, go go use your gift and bypass the, the people of God or the church. And the church is us. It's not the buildings, but— you know, you're not saying bypass God's intentions and go do go do it another way. You're saying, "Hey, this is because man, this book is really awesome because you 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 bring up all the hot topics and the debates and the tensions, but you don't really get lost in it. You 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 keep the focal point on the heart and the the origins of why God built it, and that's the only way it can get better is to actually be restored to what it was meant to be." And I really like how you're doing that with the book. It inspires me. I was up. I don't. I don't just dig into books all the time. But I was up for two or three hours last night, really excited about what I was reading, and can't wait to finish the book off. But I like how you're saying this. So, as far as the, this is an interesting thing. So, like how how so we're talking about, and we're probably going to do more podcasts than just today's on this because this is. I actually would like to go through the book a little bit more thoroughly, but. You say the ascension gifts of Ephesians 4 come from Christ, and then we've got the gifts from the Holy Spirit in Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12. And you're saying that they work together. So why don't we talk about that a little bit, and then really kind of like how does someone even know what kind of gift they have? Like what, what would they do, you know? But, and what are these gifts, and how do they work together? How do you know if you have a gift? Um, it's someone who has the gift that you have, but they're mature in that gift. Um, And so that's the best way to really understand what gift that God has given to you. And that's one of the key values of belonging to a local assembly 
You know, the Bible is very clear. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. The purpose of that local church family uh, is many reasons. One is fellowship. One is corporate worship. One is teaching, developing, training. You know, you learn to be a disciple in that local church family. You learn to submit to authority. You learn to grow and, and develop and so maturity is actually the very it's to me that's like the bullseye of discipleship absolutely is that we're helping you mature and grow right your gift you can be gifted and make all kinds of mistakes in your character or assumptions or um because it because i'm a way i'm way more tempered now than i was when i was 20 <laughs> you know but i've also gotten my tail kicked and and you know saw some things play out and you learn you know and you grow you have people help you Absolutely, and that's that's the purpose of the local church. See, it, you know, people have attended churches for years. I did, and uh, I, you know, they called me pastor for forty years, um, but never did they really understand how God gifted them. You know, I was called pastor for twenty five years before. I finally began to realize, you know, Lord, I don't have a pastoral gift. In fact, there are days I don't even like these people. <laughs> to be honest with you, yeah. <laughs> I mean, people, uh, I mean, I would sit and listen to their problems for eight hours, and I'd go home and tell my wife, I said, you know, these people are wearing me out. I said, uh, I know they have problems, but, I mean, uh, they're not faithful, so they don't, you know, they don't listen to the teaching I provide for them every week. They come and go. They don't enter into praise and worship. So, yeah. you know, so, I mean, uh, you know, get with the program a little bit and I wouldn't have to, you know, baby along so much. So I, Brian, I learned the hard way. I I finally, I said, Lord, what's the answer here? He said, well, for you, I didn't call you to be a pastor. I said, you didn't? I said, that's what they call me. That's what my dad was, my grandfather. He said, no, I gave you a gift and it wasn't a pastoral gift. You know how to pastor people. I call it the hatch, match, and dispatch. You know, I mean, I know how to dedicate babies and do weddings and do funerals and uh, everything else in between. But he said, I've called you and gifted you as an apostolic leader. And he said, if you'll notice wherever I've sent you, there's always issues that needed to be dealt with. And you dealt with them. He said that, and you were energized by that. He said, so... Cut the counseling. Let those who have a pastoral gift, let those who are gifted to help people. And he said, if they want to see you, have them come, go to the altar for an hour and tell me everything they're going to tell you for one hour or don't see them. Now, I'm not advocating that for everybody. I'm just saying, for me, it cut my counseling load by 80, 90%. Right. (laughs) And, uh, And so... I learned what gift I had. I think uh, we really would help our young people if by the time they graduated from high school, especially if they're a church young person, if they've sat in church and heard the word, by the time they're a high school senior, they ought to know how God gifted them because their further education should be based on that gifting. If somebody is a gifted evangelist, then they belong in sales and marketing, not taking an engineering degree because dad says... Right, and this goes to, it goes to the point of winning in the marketplace. Absolutely. Which, which why does that matter so much? Why, did, why, why does the fact that the church has been kind of, has really sucked at it for all these, you know, how many decades 
and we're losing ground. Why, talk about your passion on why that matters. Why does the marketplace matter? Well, our purpose for God's people, there's a difference between the purpose of God's people and the commission that God gave to the church in the New Testament, Matthew 28. The purpose of God's people is very clear in Genesis 22, 17, 24, 60. He was giving the blessing to Abraham in 22, verse 17, and he showed him the stars of the sky, sand of the sea, and he said, the very last phrase, here's the reason why I'm giving you all of these children, for you to possess the gate of your enemy. Well, a generation later, in chapter 24, verse 60, Rebekah now is getting ready to go back to be the son of Abraham's son, Isaac. And the last thing her family said to her was, may your children be thousands of tens of thousands, and may they possess the gates of their enemy, um, or those who hate them. He said, now compare that to Matthew 16, verse 18. Jesus was talking that day, and he said, I'll build my church. I don't need your help to build the church. I'll do that. And then when I do it, the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. He wasn't talking about some structure, some wooden gates or iron gates or some fortress. What he was talking about, the influence of hell will not prevail against the church. Well, again, you can see in America that the gates of hell, the influence of hell is prevailing in America and most places around the world. And so to stop that, God's people must understand their purpose. Our purpose is not to bow down to the enemy in business, government, or education. The purpose of God's people is to be the example of Christ to where people that see us on a daily basis, and even the text says, they'll ask you, why is there such hope in you? And you'll be able to share with them, the reason I have hope today is because Christ lives within me. Uh, you know, I tell Christians all the time, do the unbelievers that see you and touch your life and cross your pathway, do they, do they want to love their wife and family the way you love yours? Do they want to take care of the resources in their life the way you take care of the resources in your life? See, winning people to Christ is more about warming them to who Christ is in you before you challenge them Absolutely. about their lifestyle. And so let's understand what our purpose is, and our purpose is to control those places of influence. You know, Matthew 28 talks about making disciples of all nations. It doesn't talk about making disciples of people. It talks about nations. You know, when this thing all gets wrapped up in Revelation, it says the nations, every nation shall bring its light into the glory of heaven, into the light of lights, nations. And as much as there is a move across the world today to do away with borders and to do away with nations, so we will all be one big blended family, that's an attack of the enemy to divide this world so that he, the Antichrist, can come and rule and reign. Well, you know, we're going to see the church one day disciple an entire nation. If one person can be one to Christ, why can't an entire nation be one to Christ? 
I believe it can, and I believe God wants to line his people up and so empower them. So they'll see when they go to the marketplace how their gift works there the same as it works inside the church serving the family. Yeah, and I, I love how you write about the purpose, and it's connected. The purpose and your gift is connected to the body of Christ and the Great Commission. And I love it because it's like this is God's A plan. Like God has a way to win and to conquer and to, do, to take dominion and to take these gates. And Jesus is even saying these gates of hell will not prevail against you. I just taught that last night in a, in a youth small group, you know, the exact same phrase and the exact same scripture. But there's, there's this plan, this strategy that God has, and he, doesn't, he didn't make an a, a B plan. You know, so I tell people all the time, believers, that if we cooperate with what God designed, we're hastening the day, right? We're we're actually speeding the timeline up, and and then when we're stiff necked or we're we're not cooperating with the design God has established, we're we're uh, delaying. You know, we're delaying the game. So we're actually there's a lot of like little factors playing out. You know, in this entire you know. So I want to I want I want the grace ops to impact this nation. I want to disciple a nation. I'm in. Let's go, right? Like you can pour into me and I'll take take what you have and you can pour into whatever college or school or facility or whatever kind of like framework we build out for training uh, warriors. But that's, we've got to take this ground. We've got to take this land. And I want this nation. I want to see this nation discipled. I call it bean patch domination. One of David's mighty men. Bean patch domination. He defended that bean patch. Yes. The field of lentils. Yes. <laughs> yeah. He defended that. Shama, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of David's mighty men. That was his ground that he wasn't going to surrender. Right. And so everyone who's listening to us today, they have a bean patch, if you will, to which God has assigned them. So don't worry about what the enemy's doing in somebody else's bean patch. Take care of yours. Make Christ king where you are. Right. That's why when I walk into a Walmart, I bow my head at the steering wheel. It has now become a way of life for me. And I say, devil, you've been, you know, I don't care if you've been here all day, all night. I'm here now. And wherever I put my foot, the Bible says, made the promise to Joshua, wherever you put your foot down belongs to you. I said, now, you didn't create this earth. My God created this earth. Belongs to him yeah. and the fullness thereof. So I'm going into Walmart now. I'm here on official business or something that I need. But I'm open for divine appointments all the time. <laughs> That's right. So you, uh, you have to bow down to me now. You're not going to act up, act out while I'm in Walmart. I'm in charge now. Because right. God put me in charge. Well, Brian, when that's every... kind of the gates of hell won't prevail, right? Exactly. Like it's, a, it's a mindset. We it's have, a warrior it, mindset. It has have. to be exactly a warrior mindset. I mean, why would Ephesians, back to Ephesians, Ephesians 6 is all about, well, most of it, is getting dressed for war. Right. If we never go to war, why do we need all of the implements of battle? 
you know, I've heard people sing over the years, I'm going to the enemy's camp and take back what the devil stole from me. Right. You heard that song? Oh, yeah. And so when I go to a church and speak, I'll, you know, as God leads me, I'll say, how many uh, have ever sung that song? Maybe you sing it here. Let me ask you, when was the last time you went to the enemy's camp and what did you bring back? It has to be that intentional. You have to live the song. If we can't, uh, you know, I don't, I don't have a pie-in-the-sky Christianity. I have a walking-around relationship with Jesus Christ. Right. And when I was threatened by gangbangers in the city of Chicago, I had two death threats on me. And they said, what do you do if, you, if, if I drop you right where you are? I said, well, for me, it's hello, Jesus. If somebody drops you right where you are, who you want to say hello to? Right. So don't threaten me with heaven. Right. <laughs> That's right. You know, it has to be that intentional. No, it's interesting that you bring up, uh, we bring up, we talked about Shama in Ephesians 6 because those are very connected. Yes. You know, those are very connected because Shama, it says when the enemy came in, he saw... Um, all of Israel says fled from the field, right? All of them, except for one person. And, the, and, and I think this goes into the giftings and the, 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 the design, that warrior mindset, because he could see the purpose of the people of God was not to run. And even though all Israel fled, he had the, the understanding and the faith and the boldness to say, hey, I'd rather die than run like a coward. And so God... It's going down right now. Either I'm going to stand here and win, and you're going to p- come through me and do a mighty work, or I'll be seeing you in a few moments. So there's a, and there's the same passion in Ephesians six that when you've done everything you can do, stand. Well, standing is hard. I mean, just to physically stand for a long period of time is hard on your feet, your blood pressure. All, I mean, it's actually a tough thing to do, but you can stand well when you understand your purpose and you understand your gifts and you understand your skills because. That's I the the journey I've been on. I've had high quality caliber coaches and leaders like you. Uh, when they hear the story, they they say, "Oh well, probably ninety nine percent or more would flee and leave and quit." You know why didn't you do that? You know you, you got a great story now. You got all this great God stuff happening and success. And I just tell them because I knew why I was supposed to stay. I knew I I couldn't run because I knew my purpose. I knew why I went into it. And so when the hard stuff came, some of the most hardest circumstances that most people can't endure, most people aren't even wired to endure, I I stayed through all of it and I looked like a crazy guy. But I don't look crazy now, but I looked crazy then because I knew my purpose. I knew what God God was calling me to do. Now, this concept of the gifts, we're going to... We're going to do more podcasting on this, so we're not going to un- unleash it all in one because we, we could do that in about five hours probably. But we'll break it up. So the ascension gifts, let's go through those and tell, talk about why you think every person has one of them and how would they discover what it is. Ephesians, first of all, was written to the church. That means all the saints that were in the church at Ephesus heard the message that Paul gave. And so they're called ascension gifts because when Jesus ascended to heaven, when he went back to the Father, he gave gifts to mankind. And he gave some 
to have an apostolic gift, some to have a prophetic gift, some to have a teaching gift, some to have a pastoral gift, and some to have the evangelist gift. This is not uh, something that people should fear, but it's something they should embrace. And even though that we may have mistaught it some through the years, um, the bias of some people shouldn't keep us from the truth. We need to understand that if God gave you life, and he's the only one that can, he gave you a gift. He gave you a temperament. He gave you a personality through which you will deliver that gift. And so let's establish that there's no separate group of people that received a gift, and then everybody else has to go do their thing without a gift. We have to establish that. Now, how do you discover your gift? Well, uh, the same way that you discover anything else about your life. You have to be taught. You have to be exposed to the truth. And then as Christians, the reason that he fills all of us with the Holy Spirit is so that we can judge for ourselves through the power of the resident Holy Spirit within us, the truth that's coming to us. Paul even told the Berean Christians, don't take my word for it. Check it out for yourself. So I encourage everyone, check it out. But if there are certain indicators that somebody has a, a, you know, a particular gift, if you're constantly correcting people, you're constantly seeing things wrong, you probably lean toward having a prophetic gift. Do you constantly care about people? Not that the prophetically gifted people don't care, but there's always a default position. If given the opportunity, you're going to default back to one of these particular gifts. And uh, it's up to the local church to help people discover those. Uh, and, uh, but we have to get over the fact that only a select people, a group of people got one. We all received one because he promised, and I gave some to be. Yeah, and I think that you just described one of the obstacles that face, you know, you bring that up in your book. You, this is an obstacle, this uh, secular, sacred thing that was created because it, it just absolutely breaks my heart. It, it, this kind of stuff, you know, we're talking about, so salvation without responsibility equals cheap grace. That's what I, what I, that's what I say. The, when I start to look at the responsibility of what we're responsible for and the standards of what we're supposed to keep things at as far as the integrity of the scriptures and the power and the purpose of the people of God. I, this grieves my heart. This, cause and you, you actually identify it. We don't have to go deep into it, but you identify this 1700 years of a system that was introduced by Constantine and how it actually has worked to, um, you know, kind of cripple the church all these centuries. And it's not that, nothing good ever happened. And I mean, you, you make me laugh, man. Cause you put in your book, you put in your book that a truly gifted pastor shouldn't even be leading a church. What the heck do you mean by that? <laughs> right? Like, if, if, I, I understand it, but I want yeah. our crowd. I want this podcast to understand this audience. What I'm talking about is a person who has a title of pastor has a real Holy spirit gift of pastoring. That's the, his the ascension gift, right? Right. Pastor, the ascension right. gift. He 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 is a shepherd. He is a pastor. Um, that 
person should not be in a senior position. Now, I don't, you know, titles, that, that word pastor, that title pastor is more of a term of endearment than it is a function most of the time. But it's, it's those people who, when they have the call and the gift of pastoring, they're going to be frustrated because they're not going to have the right gift to deal with all the other issues that only someone with an apostolic gift can help them with. It's not that the apostolic gift is better than the others. The apostolic gift should be the servant to the other four gifts, the, re- the title, The Abominable Snowman, came one night after I'd written the manuscript and a few of my friends were sitting around talking about the book. It just came up in my spirit, and I said, you know, if you truly have an apostolic gift, you're like the abominable snowman. You're rarely seen, but your footprints are everywhere. And so maybe in a future podcast we can get in how God helped me to illustrate those five gifts in the Old Testament tabernacle, because for every New Testament truth, there's an Old Testament type. Yeah, and I think I think we will dedicate a few more of these podcasts to this because right now we're just talking about really introductory type stuff of the gifts, the ascension gifts. And I really like how you put it that way. I've never even really kind of heard it packaged that way. And I'm sure it has been done. I just haven't heard it. And it really was refreshing for me to see in that context, to see it like, because yeah, Ephesians 4, 5 fold. I mean, you get in right, even when you just start saying those words, there's all kinds of cross sections of like believers that that means different things to them. You know, it's like these are hot topics and it's not about trying to say, hey, we came up with the best idea or the best version of this. You're, you're like, hey, you know, cut the chase. Let's just do the work of what we're called to do. Let's get back to the function of this and why it's really there. Stop trying to win the greatest definition of an award, you know, but it's like the apostolic and I understand it. I, I was first told that I was like an apostle 20-some years ago, and it was a, I stayed in this guy's house in the basement as a missionary guest. And he said, you know, missionaries, he, he actually, I was kind of aching in front of him and like, ah, oh, this ranting, you know. And he came to me and he said, well, you know, you're, you're an apostolic leader. I don't know if you know that or not. You're, you're an apostle. And I said, I was only like, uh, I was probably late 20s. And I'm like, I'm what? And he's, he started to describe the apostolic. And I said, oh, well, that all makes sense to me, that part. And I started, that, that was the first time I'd ever, and, and it, it explained a lot of like my own wiring and how, how, how I work and things. So it really helped me. But when, for me, I have understood it. And I've, I've been a younger guy, most, you know, in my 30s, you know, and now I'm in my 40s, but it's, but to be, to think of myself as a father to even an older guy, you know, that is, wasn't really about age. It was about the purpose and the gift and the nurturing. And, and not that I did it very well, but just knowing that I could father, that was part of my heart. I've always been like that, right? So it's like, that's how I raise people up. So it's like, there's a lot, it's like my daughters. I have four daughters and, and man, you want to talk about someone that'll tear you down if you, if you threaten them. I'll, you'll deal with me quick, but you know, I will, I also love them, but I also don't fluff them up. You know, I I make them face life. I make them grow. I help them through their battles and their struggles. And that's what I, how I raise up disciples. You know, it's, I father them, you know, it's like, it's, it's a, it's a really cool thing. And I don't know. I just, how, how does a person, I just love this idea of the ascension gifts. 
and then we can get into the first Corinthians gifts on another, on another talk, but they all kind of link together in leverage. This is kind of the word you use. They, they leverage the Ascension gifts. So what would someone, how would someone know? Like what, what was, what is some of your thoughts on like, how do, how would I know if I'm apostolic or prophetic? Because I'm, it grieves me that we broke down this whole concept and made church hierarchy, you know, from Constantine, this whole hierarchy thing got introduced. That wasn't part of the first century church. The apostolic was there to serve. You know, the Bible actually says it's the first apostolic and prophetic is part of the cornerstone. So I look at that as a foundation. Well, we're in a room right now and any building I go into, no matter how magnificent it is, nobody peels back the laminate floor or the hardwood floors or breaks the drywall off to see the foundational pieces and that's really where the apostolic and prophetic are. They should be kind of tucked away, part of the strength and structure, and, and really not calling too much attention to themselves. That's why I've always been personally annoyed when someone has apostle on their business card. Right away, it sets a red flag. I'm like, well, who's this joker? <laughs> <You know? laughs> well, when you introduce yourself with a title uh, and you keep doing it around me, I'll eventually say, uh, who are you trying to convince, me or you? Uh, yeah, I, right. I know that's who you are, and I honor that, but um, that's your gift, and your gift is to serve. Um, the leveraging of the Holy Spirit, you know, in Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, they're called the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit came, he said, not to teach us about himself, but to teach us more about Christ. So if the gifts that Christ gave are the foundational gifts, then the gifts the Holy Spirit gave should leverage the gifts that Christ gave. So if you take the gift of administration, that will leverage the apostolic gift. If you take the gift of mercy, that will leverage the pastoral gift. Uh, again, it's not a new doctrine. It's not a new theology. It's just simply a way to help people connect what motivates them, and how that ties in to serving the local body and also ties in or should tie in in what they do in the marketplace. When, you know, TGIF, that's, that's a big deal for most people. Thank God it's Friday, and today's right. Friday. And so they're looking for the weekend, but they tolerate Monday through Friday. They can't wait for the weekend. Well, if you're called by God, you ought to celebrate Monday as much as you do Friday. Absolutely. Because that puts you in the wheelhouse of your ministry gift. Right. You're there on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Well, that's part of a warrior mindset too, right? Absolutely. It's, it's a way of living, a way of thinking. We take ground every day, or we every lose day. ground every day. Yeah. So the Holy Spirit gifts are to leverage the gifts that Christ gave. And, of course, there's a lot to, to go through and unpack in that. And we're going to. So you mentioned earlier the the salesman would be like the evangelist gift, right? Correct. So let, what, how would the let's talk about those ascension gifts and what they might look like in the in the marketplace? In the marketplace yeah. Well, the apostolic gift because it creates the future and builds the team uh, is in the CEO's office. If it's not happening in the CEO, the president's office, uh, if he doesn't create the future and a plan to get there, there won't be a future. Right. Uh, then the gift of the prophet and the teacher, you go to the HR department. Nice. <laughs> we have to have compliance. And if you own a business today, you have at least 11 or 12 government agencies looking over your shoulder every day. 
And that compliance manual is getting thicker uh, by the day. You've got to be in compliance. You're going to play some pretty heavy fines. And so they, that prophetic gift keeps us in compliance. The CEO can slam his fist on the table and say, well, I'll find a way. You know, you can do that. But at some point, you have to be in compliance or you're going to start paying some fines. The teacher is the one who teaches the people how to create value, teach you your job. Because if you don't create value, it won't be long. They won't be handing you a check on Friday. Well, if we don't sell something, goods and or services, those are the only two things we sell. We sell goods, something manufactured, or we sell services or both. Right. Well, you have to go to the sales and marketing department. That's where the evangelist hangs out. He creates the sense of urgency of what we sell and produce here. Right. And if he doesn't do that, well, the rest of us don't need to show up. <laughs> Well, that only leaves the pastoral gift, and where do they hang out? They hang out in customer service. In every organization, there's two groups of customers. You have the internal customers. You can call them members. You can call them team members. You can call them employees. But they're customers. And if they're not happy and satisfied and fulfilled and producing the way they need to, it won't be long before the external customers, who are the paying customers, stop paying or look for somebody else to supply what they're looking for. That's an awesome uh, parallel. I love how that works because how, how, how does a person, because really we, we opened up reading about Proverbs and we talked about how your gift, your gift, you have one, maybe more than one, right? But you, everybody's got at least one mm-hmm. power, powerful gift in them. Makes room for you. What, what does that mean? What does it mean that your gift will make room for you and how do, how do you mature in that? A lot of people try to make their reputation make room for them, who they know, you know, who know, who you know gets you in heaven everywhere else you need to be. But um, that only works for a little while. Right. It's not about your money makes room for you. It can at times. But scripturally, it is your God-given gift that he gave to you that will ultimately make room. Because God wants to make room for you and your gift because it fulfills the purpose. And so, uh, you know, you don't want uh, an evangelist working in customer service because they'll promise <laughs> them anything and everything and won't produce anything. Just keep selling to them. <laughs> and, uh, you, you, you know, uh, you got to have that gift in the right place, in the right order, in a mature vessel, delivering the gift, all under the leadership of the apostolic gift. And it works well. Yeah. And so it, really the way I kind of started to understand my gifts and there's like, there's like every, a lot of different little tests out there and stuff you can take. I don't look at them as like, you know, a hundred percent this or that, but they're fun little tools to take and kind of. They're indicators. They're indicators. Yeah. And so yeah. I think, but, but, but kind of me coming into it all and, and my own personal journey, was I learned, I learned it a lot from what I, what I love to do. And I started matching that up with the scriptures going, oh, well, that, that, that probably leads back to the gift that God gave me. You know, if, if you can connect some of these dots. And- One of the great messages of the church to the unbeliever is to help them make that connection. Why are you so successful? Well, here's why. Yeah. Because God gave you this gift. Yeah. It's a revelation and it's really simple. The ascension gifts is the main like thrusters, right? Like the pistons in the engine, right? There's a, the, it holds everything together. Yeah. 
If you if I go in and I've gone into many companies and organizations and and I'll listen to the leaders for an hour and within an hour I can locate where they're having the problem and it's always in one or more of those gifts either it's not there or the vessel in which it resides is immature yeah that's good uh, it's not hard and i can uh, i can diagnose it now the challenge is you got to get past the egos and the you know the pride right. <laughs> uh, if you're going to be able to help them yeah well, you know, I think that today's podcast has served well at introducing uh, the book. I, I love the book. I'm very thankful for the book. I would encourage our, our listeners to uh, search The Abominable Snowman on Amazon by Dr. David Robinson and get your hands on it. Get in the discussion. I want to do, I don't know if I'll say how many, but uh, a good number more of podcasts on these. I think we've laid out a good introduction today and... I think this is a topic that's really resides with people. I mean, they in, in, in understanding the clarity of it, knowing your gift. Is it ever too late to discover your gift? Never, never. Yeah, I mean, because you might think some people might go, "Well, I've never thought about this, or I never thought about the clarity of it." Or maybe it's I called never taught. it's called leverage, momentum, impact. You know, people say, "Well, at my age, it's too late." No, God can make up fifty years oh, in so, a few days. So good can be so redemptive. Like yeah. That. See, it's yeah. the enemy that says the best years you have are beyond you, behind you, you know. No. The best year that you'll ever have is the year before you. You'll never be any younger yeah, than you right. are today. That's right. And I, I, I always feel like every day that I grow old is a day I get better. Like, I just feel it, right? Like, I, I'm more in tune with my purpose. I feel more clear. And But I have a warrior mindset. It's really hard to take me out because I just I'm so gnarly it's like the glass is always full to me and we're going to go in and win no matter what it is <laughs> you know it's like that's just kind of the way my I wrote in my works. in my post um the clock for great leaders never runs out never runs out yeah I remember my father asked me probably 15 to 17 years ago I can't remember but it's right in that time frame about 15 years ago I took him out for steak on his birthday I drove three or four hours to get to the town he lives in, and, and I, I took him out for steak. And it was a wild conversation. I don't know where he just looks at me, and I wasn't expecting the question. But he, goes, he goes, how do you do it? How, I go, what do you mean? He goes, how do you live? He goes, your life is driven by purpose. How do you figure that stuff out? <laughs> you know? So there I am, a young man, explaining it to my father, which is a great conversation we had. Yeah, absolutely. I learn from my sons all the time. Because if, uh, if you are a learner, a disciple is a faithful following learner of Christ. And so I, I, that's why I'm a voracious reader. I read all the time. And you I, write every day, don't you? I write in, uh, yeah, every day. That's awesome. Um, not necessarily a book in mind, but most of my books are f- from things that I have written over the years. And then God says, okay, now's the time to put it in a book. Yeah, I got to get busy writing. Um, I got a book I want to write too, but I, I, I'm really, really excited about where, where these uh, podcasts are going to go. Is there any closing thoughts you have for today? No, I'd just like to encourage everyone who's listening today. Uh, this is the first day of the best year of your life. Don't pass it up. Don't Take advantage of it. Up. 
Be sensitive to who God's going to put in your life today. That's right. And I remember hearing that scripture we opened up with when I was a young guy. And I thought, that's pretty cool. Your gift will make room for you. I actually put, uh, I actually put faith in that scripture. Like, it'll happen. God will make it happen. But the power of what I realized was that you actually have to cooperate with that gift. It's not just an automatic thing. And the word you put to it was mature. You know, yeah. if you stay immature in your gifting, um, it, it probably affects the amount of room it will make for you. Emotional immaturity is the number one problem. I don't care what organization, what business, what church. Emotional immaturity, the ability to handle your own emotions and your response to immature people wow, so who good. constantly challenge you. Wow, we live in a world that needs oh. that. <laughs> Get a big piece of cake and put that in your well, mouth. Well, it's, it's not new. Um, you know, it's been... No, but it's ignored. Oh, it's in ignored. In this culture, yeah. hey, we're sorry that you feel that way. You know, we're going to establish cry rooms and dog petting yeah, things on your campuses. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, you're talking... You're, you just hit like a big, massive elephant in the room, right? Like the emotional... Because we're raising up a, a generation of babies that don't know how they're going to... They're just emotionally stunted. They, you know, the enemy's strategy. Right. I mean, what are they going to do? Build like dog, you know, comfort dog rooms at your job now? I mean, I just don't get it. Right. Like, I mean, would he that... rather attack a nursery school or or a bastion of warriors? <laughs> right. So, uh, the nursery school. <laughs> yeah. So All we'll just time. raise up a generation of babies. Yeah. Well, <laughs> there are more warriors. Uh, like you, Brian, that are out there and they're coming to the surface. Yeah. This is the day and age where strong men, strong leaders have to arise. Yep. Or we may not have um, the same type of beautiful nation that we've always enjoyed. So we want Grace Ops to, to serve in that. And kind of as we wind this uh, episode down, I look forward to the future ones where it's going to be a great, great time together. But as we wind this one down, as always, we ask you to help be part of that launching of Grace Ops. We just got it all launched and out there this fourth quarter. Engage with the podcast like you are. Subscribe to it. Share it. Hit that little share button. Send it out by email. Send it out by text message, whatever way. Just engage with us. Get to our website, graceops.net. Maybe buy some gear. Sign up. uh, Subscribe to our email. We're going to be sending out some really powerful emails to keep you motivated and empowered. So. Love all of you. That's why we do this work. And until next time, live upright. Yeah, sorry about this. I have my phone.